Good day, everybody, and welcome to uh, episode number 19 of the Ed Stories Podcast. This episode is with Dr. Josh Rittenberg of East Avenue Chiropractic. Josh came over uh, this past weekend, came over with his wife and his kids, and our kids played out in the backyard, and we uh, did a podcast, and it was pretty cool. I learned a lot about chiropractic that I didn't know. I'm hoping that you do as well. Uh, chiropractic, as Josh explains, is not just about the spine. There's a lot more that goes into it, including a lot of treatment of soft tissues, which I wasn't really aware of either. So chiropractic um, learning is more of a mindset of treatment than it is about any sort of particular adjustment to your to your spine. So I want to thank Josh for coming on. If you have uh, an interest in chiropractic and learning more about what they do and what types of things that they treat, listen to the podcast. His contact information uh, is given out at the end. But again, it's East Avenue Chiropractic and it's on the corner of East Ave and Park Ave in Rochester, New York. So I hope that you enjoy this episode with Dr. Josh Rittenberg, and we got a few more planned for over the summer, so just keep uh, keep tuned to iTunes and, and Stitcher and wherever you get your podcasts, and you'll be able to keep up with Ed's stories as we venture out into our 20th episode, which is next time. But for now, here's episode number 19 with Dr. Josh Rittenberg. We're here with Dr. Joshua Rittenberg. Thank you for coming by today, man. How's it going? Here. Doing great. So you are, um, what's your official title in your in your practice? You're a doctor of chiropractic, owner Correct. of the business. What yeah. you, owner and operator of okay. East Avenue Chiropractic. All right, yep. cool. Um, so before we start talking about East Avenue Chiropractic in general, I want to, if you could, just give everybody kind of an overview of chiropractic as a a practice and you know some of the major differences between traditional um, medicine mm-hmm. as we know it going to the doctor and whatever and then chiropractic okay um, I'm gonna kind of start I think at the beginning for myself I, I grew up in a little bit more of a medical family my, go for my it father's yeah. a medical doctor uh, a couple of my uncles are as well um, I grew up in the 80s like you and uh, oftentimes the term better living through chemistry was kind of thrown around sometimes mm-hmm. jokingly, but kind of seriously as well. Um, so we were kind of in this age of pharmaceutical practice. Um, and I didn't really know about non-pharmacological treatments for disease, for pain. Um, and it wasn't until I had been suffering with low back pain for somewhere around seven or eight years um, that I was finally for lack of better terms, convinced to go see a chiropractor. So I, I wasn't aware of, of what chiropractic was until I experienced the paradigm of, of chiropractic care. How old were you at that time? I was 22. So okay. um, I was actually pre-med all through college. Uh, I was studying for my MCATs, uh, and that was the time where I was under the greatest amount of stress, and my back for the 90th time or so started to spasm on me and reacted very poorly to the environment that I was in. Whoa. Uh, so, so did you, 
did you had you tried um, like a pharmacological treatment, if that's the term? <laughs> yeah, when I was fifteen, um, I started seeing an orthopedist. I went to a neurologist. I went through physical therapy. Uh, I was also at the time a five sport athlete, um, and so there was a, a variety of different. Um, protocols I was going through, whether they were rehab, I was placed on some prescription strength NSAIDs um, and muscle relaxants at a very young age. And I knew that there was something different out there, um, but I didn't have the exposure to it. Um, and so as I went through college and I still was still within this paradigm of medicine, um, it wasn't until after college that I really started learning that there was more to to treatment um, than just there's a medicine for this or there's a surgery for that. So I came to learn about chiropractic care um, through my first chiropractor, who uh, was a very inspiring um, gentleman. He was the first Olympic team chiropractor in 1996 for the track and field games. He was a natural bodybuilder. He didn't practice in the most traditional sense of chiropractic care, which is pretty much manipulation or adjustment only. He really ventured more into the realm of soft tissue treatment, rehabilitation with manipulation as a tool that he used in the process of that. Mm -hmm. um, and so I saw this field that encompassed physical therapy, chiropractic therapy, massage therapy, nutritional therapy. And I started seeing the bigger picture, which was that Everybody who's a practicing healthcare practitioner has tools that they use. And oftentimes we fit someone's problems into the tools that we have available to us. Okay. Um, and I saw chiropractic, the field in general, as this, um, this specialty which encompassed so many tools as opposed to the ones which medical doctors use, which is medicine or surgery. Okay. Um, so that was really how I saw chiropractic um, develop for me, um, and I never, never really looked back. Great. And this was. And how long have you been practicing? I graduated in 2010, so I'm in my seventh, seventh full year of practice right now. Okay. And was this all at East Ave, or did you start somewhere else and then I, venture off? I started somewhere else. Um, I always knew that I was going to have my own practice. Um, I don't know whether that's a control thing <laughs> or whether, uh, um, I just wanted to have a certain amount of autonomy. Um, but I, I, we became pregnant with our first child, um, as I was graduating. Uh, and so the part of my brain in the very, very back, the primitive part started saying, um, you need to get a job. <laughs> and so I did that. And I worked for a clinic, um, up in Arondequoit, um, that, you know, came pretty highly recommended. Um, I enjoyed a lot of things about my time there. It was a great learning experience, both in teaching me what I wanted to do and how I wanted to practice, how I wanted to teach my patients, um, how I wanted to care for them. And then again, some of the things that I didn't want to do, which was limit my interaction with them based on time, mm -hmm. as opposed to really listen to them, figure out what they need and then block that time for them. Um, you know, regardless of what I'm being reimbursed for. Yeah, sure. Um, and so that's, you know, that's how it happened. I worked there for about six months. I left that practice. Um, I started my own. We built the space out and then I kind of hit the ground running. 
cool. was very slow to start off with, as all practices are. Yeah. Um, but we stuck to it, and I put a lot of groundwork in and um, made a lot of really great inroads and connections, um, and that's where we are today. Cool. And so uh, one thing I wanted to ask you about is um, over the course of your time, the past seven years, have you seen a an increase in the number of patients, not just that are seeking you out as a chiropractic doctor to help them with whatever, but just the field in general, have more people taken to the field of chiropractic? And the reason I ask is because it seems to me that um, there has been uh, increased focus on, I guess, not, I, I, the phrase non-traditional, but non-medicinal ways to treat injuries and um, you know, different maladies or what have you. Mm-hmm. It seems like there's been um, a population of people that have sought out these non-traditional ways like chiropractic sure. and physical therapy and stuff. So mm-hmm. have you seen that translate over? Is that really something that's happening? It is. People are a lot more open to, um, as I said before, non-pharmacological treatments. Um, certainly, a lot of syllables for me, pharmacological. <laughs> yeah. C- certainly, we, we have a, a crisis in, in our country as, as far as the overuse of opiates, um, pain medications. Um, we are a fairly sedentary society. We're not moving as much as we should. Um, and many in the chiropractic profession are positioning themselves not just as back doctors, but as um, holistic healthcare providers. Um, who practice very conservatively. Um, and so as my practice has grown and as my patients have understood more of what I'm capable of managing for them, I'm seeing my patients and their friends and their family members for a whole host of other conditions or injuries that they never would have known, oh, I can see a chiropractor for that. Yeah, like, uh, can you give me a couple of examples of that? That was one thing I wanted to ask sure. you about. What are some things that chiropractic can treat that people would never imagine that they yeah. could if they hadn't dug in? So I, I think that that question in and of itself and the way you phrased it is probably one of the things that limits our exposure to begin with. Because people start with what can chiropractic treat as opposed to saying you're a doctor or a physician and you have the education to diagnose, manage, and treat a whole host of conditions. But when you say the word chiropractic, I feel as though it always leads someone to think spine Mm -hmm. um, as opposed to, oh, you're a doctor with certain focuses. Mine happens to be in soft tissue rehabilitation and repetitive sprains and strains and nerve entrapments. And so I see people who have carpal tunnel syndrome. I see people who have shin splints or plantar fasciitis uh, or who have hurt their shoulder. Um, I also see people who seem to fail going through a traditional medical route. Um, I actually just um, saw a primary care physician today who I do some referring with, and um, she asked me, do you know anyone who does active release technique? And I said, I absolutely do. Yeah, me. I've been doing it for 10 (laughs) 10 years. Um, And she said, oh, I, I don't really know much about it, but many of my patients have been asking about it. So, you know, I think in our community, um, there is an inflow of new chiropractors. There is an inflow of new physical therapists, um, all of which have overlapping skills. Um, and I think it's our job to educate the public and our patients about the whole host of different treatments that we provide. Mm-hmm. Um, I would like the community and our patients to see chiropractors as primary musculoskeletal providers 
who practice in a very conservative setting. We can order any imaging we need to. We can order blood work or lab work. Uh, and we're very equipped to know what's appropriate for us to be managing in-house, what's appropriate for us to be co-managing with some other provider, and what's appropriate for us to just get out of our office and, and have them see another specialist. Okay. So what's the, then what is the fundamental difference, I guess, between your, excuse me, your style of practice and not your style of practice mm-hmm. within the world of chiropractic, but your style of practice versus the more pharmacological style. So you, you mentioned earlier, they treat with medicine and surgery largely, mm-hmm. yeah. and you treat with a host of other treatments that are, mm-hmm. is it, is it cause they're more specific to whatever injury or condition the patient may have? Um, so, it, you know, as I said, it really depends on who's coming to see me, what are their needs, um, and then we fit the most appropriate modality to them, whether that be some type of soft tissue therapy, whether that be a manipulation or adjustment, whether that be massage, whether that be a specific corrective exercise or altering their daily habits, applying nutritional techniques or supplements. Um, and and again, hopefully I'm not coming across as bad-mouthing my, phys- my medical physician colleagues. Um, their approach is changing um, as science is starting to catch up with, I think, what chiropractors have been talking about and pushing for a really long time. Um, many doctors now are not trying to give medication as a first Okay. Uh, a first method of treatment. Um, and they are pushing more towards chiropractors and physical therapists and massage therapy. There was actually just an article, I believe the American Medical Association released, that is encouraging medical doctors to learn more about acupuncture in medical school. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I just, I think we are evolving. Um, I, I think it's sometimes unfortunate that, you know, I'm giving quotations here, but that science has mm-hmm. to catch up with the practices that we've been implementing for centuries mm-hmm. and thousands of years yeah. uh, until there are these randomized controlled trials that say, yes, that actually does work. And there are measurable benefits to it um, as opposed to saying, you know what, this is really non-invasive and there are no side effects other mm-hmm. than either it helps somebody or it doesn't help somebody. Uh-huh. And so why don't we exhaust those things first before even going further along? So is the, is the main idea that, the body, if if manipulated correctly in the correct way, that the body can heal itself of most or a wide variety of of different things that could go wrong with it. Yeah, I mean, I think that's an underlying theme, um, and I think that's been a talking point um, for chiropractors for a very long time that the body has an innate ability to heal itself. Uh, and I think and I think that's fairly intuitive. You know, again, a common example is if you cut yourself, your mm-hmm. body heals itself. Yeah, yep. of course. And our job is to identify the the um, resistance to that healing process and again, implement some sort of technique, whether it be manipulation or soft tissue therapy or exercise. Um, and, and I don't think that medical doctors don't think that way. Um, but I think their focus a lot of the time is symptom control making the patient as comfortable as possible. But oftentimes it's a, uh, a very narrow cone down approach to the patient, as opposed to what are all of the surrounding factors that lead this person to first of all, have developed this injury. Mm-hmm. And second of all, uh, not allow themselves 
the proper space and time to heal and let the body do its job. Gotcha. So what are some things that, what are some easy, simple things that your everyday person can do to keep themselves in, um, you know, good, good shape, keep the body from falling into one of the traps, the most common traps that bring people to your office. Are we talking just spine related? I'll leave that up to you. Okay. General <laughs> overall wellness. Um, sleep is really important. Okay. Sleep is incredibly important. It's where our body does all of its healing, all of its downloading into long-term memory. Mm-hmm. Um, so establishing a good sleep habit or sleep patterns, uh, hydration, it's one of the things that we really lack here. Um, there's a lot of really sugary drinks. There's a lot of coffee. Uh, there's a lot of alcohol. Uh, and all of those things are pulling water out of your body. And your body needs really good hydration um, to feel your best and to heal. Uh, exercise by far is the most important one, especially for lower back pain. Um, studies are showing that even brisk walking is one of the best exercises for lower back pain. However, if you add a brisk arm swing, research shows it decreases spinal loads by up to 10%. Just adding an arm swing. Okay. Okay. Um, Diet. And not diet like I need to go on a diet, but eating real food that comes from real sources that wasn't altered in any way. Um, Trying to have at least 50% raw vegetables. Um, The act of chewing is really important. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Chew a lot. Um, and, um, mindfulness. Um, it's something that I'm recently new to. Uh, my wife has been exposing me to it quite a bit. Um, being aware of yourself, being mindful of your habits, how they affect you and how they affect others. Um, trying to keep yourself, uh, in a more present state as opposed to worrying about the future or being sad about the past. Mm-hmm. Um, and, there's so much research into brain chemistry and brain science when it comes to, to that thought process of just being in the present moment every once in a while, listening to your breath, taking a deep breath yeah, um, sure. and just trying to release that stress that's built up in your life. Okay. So you just listed off, <laughs> I, know. I mean, sleep, <laughs> eating right, chewing, going for a walk. Uh, why why aren't we doing these things? What's your take on why a large, large number of people aren't doing those things and their bodies are largely breaking down because of it? I don't think there's one good answer, but we're busy. Um, and people will oftentimes wait until it's too late to make those changes. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of time it's kind of backtracking and rewinding and trying to center yourself or recover after you've already experienced some kind of injury or pain syndrome or sickness. Um, you know, some of our, the top kind of, uh, chronic diseases, which are usually attributed to lifestyle, hypertension, diabetes, high cholesterol. Um, those things should always be, have, have been thought of treated in a preventative fashion, but oftentimes it's more reactive. Um, so, I personally, uh, I'm, I try to lead by example and I try and take time in my week, in my work week for me. Okay. Um, and in a profession like myself where I'm constantly caring for others and then I'm going home and I'm trying to participate in my family life as well. Um, it doesn't leave much time for the things I just talked about. Yeah. Um, so 
personally, I, I don't see patients on Thursday because otherwise I'm seeing people back to back all day and then I have to do paperwork and then I have to go home and then I'm, I'm there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and all the things I just listed, going for a walk, working out, being mindful, sleeping, those things then take a, a second place to everything else in my life. Right. Um, and if probably the most important thing I have learned from my wife is that if you don't take care of yourself, you can't take care of others. Mm-hmm. If you're not good to yourself, you can't be good to others. Um, and that's taken me a long time to get to that place because I feel as though I kind of was put on this earth to be a provider and to, to be a caregiver. Um, and at some point you have to realize that that also means taking care of yourself. Sure. Yeah. I went through something similar a couple of years ago too. Like in this, it involves pretty much cutting off email when I leave work, just okay. to taking that simple action, just to kind of even out the life work balance. Mm-hmm. Just like you said, you know, if you're constantly still connecting yourself to your work, when you're at home, you're not being present. And you're thinking about things that were either happened during that day or that you got to do tomorrow. And for me, email was the thing that kept me attached to that. And you can, you know, taking a step back and looking at, you know, why do I feel this way? What, what things am I doing to make me feel this way? When do I feel stressed and stuff? And just taking that step to cut it out. I mean, people at work who need to get a hold of me, they have my cell phone number. You can text me. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, the phone I, will go off. I'll take a look at it if it's, if it's high priority. If not, it can wait till the morning. And that's been super beneficial yeah, for improving that, just overall quality of life. That's one of the things I do practice at my office as well is I don't carry my cell phone on me. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things I love about my, my field is that people don't die from back pain. <laughs> uh, and so I'm not on call. And my phone doesn't need to be on me for those emergency type visits. Yeah. Uh, and so when I'm in my office, my phone stays on my desk. It stays in a drawer. And if someone really needs me, they'll call me uh-huh. <laughs> or they'll call the office. I mean, sure. Yeah. Um, so, but you know, our, our brains are being trained to be in this heightened state. Um, every time that ding on your phone goes off, there's this reward center in your brain that fires up right? and you need to check it and it becomes impulsive. Um, and what you're doing separating yourself from that and turning it off. That's the only way to break that habit. Yeah. And it was hard, man. It was not easy to do mm-hmm. when you, you 10 or 12 year career of checking your email right? and just being there whenever an email came through to think about it, respond to it. It didn't used to um, be in your pocket either. Right. <laughs> now it's in right, your pocket. Right. And it was not an easy habit to break, but it's something I have found to be super beneficial. Um, just improving the quality of life at home, which in turn, I think trickles down to the, yeah. the work you do you. while you're you in the relaxed. office. <laughs> thank you. Thank yeah. you. Um, yeah. So that's been, that's been a great thing for me. So it's, it seems like it's just so easy, you know, these things that are so common sense for folks to do. Um, yeah. And hopefully I guess I was going to ask you, what do you, what do you see in the next five to 10 years of chiropractic? And of, you know, just the larger treatment field in general as people become more aware and they start mm-hmm. to seek out these different ways. So our field is really, um, it's emerging, it's developing, it's evolving. There are several programs um, that are pushing chiropractors uh, into a primary care field. Um, there is... Uh, some talk in developing coursework that allows limited prescription rights for chiropractors. That's a, a really hot topic in our profession because as a, as a whole, our, our profession developed as a drug-free 
separate and distinct field from medicine. But as our education has evolved, as our scope has expanded, uh, we've seen more of a need to be able to prescribe lower level medications for people um, because we are on the front lines and we have the education to be able to say, okay, this person has clearly has a herniated disc. I don't need imaging to know that they'd likely respond to a a steroid dose pack or a muscle relaxant. Um, And so that's a potential direction that this is, this is going. Um, The other direction is, is to a far more integrated healthcare setting. And we see this a lot across the country. We're seeing physical therapists and chiropractors and acupuncturists, massage therapy, medical doctors, all being in the same clinic. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's the direction I see my practice going. Um, my goal with all of my patients is to transition them, transition them, excuse me, into, into an active care program. Um, because that's how people get better. I, you know, I, I see my, intervention with uh with my patients as a way to um push them into feeling better so a lot of times people present to me with a symptom and i take hopefully a holistic approach and view to resolving their complaint but ultimately their activities of daily living and their habits uh have accumulated so much that they then break down and experience a symptom. And so it's my job to get them out of that, to get them progressing forward. But ultimately I want them progressing through a rehabilitative program as well Mm -hmm. um, so that they can break those habits. They could rebuild stronger uh, and not fall into those same traps. So yeah, I was going to, that's an interesting point um, because I never thought about it from this angle, but when you send a patient off with not necessarily a medical prescription where they're taking something, Mm -hmm. but a series of either exercises or habits that they can get into. Um, it kind of, there's a power dynamic there too. You know, it seems like with your style of treatment, the patient is in charge of improving themselves. Whereas, uh, if they're taking medicine there, you're relying on the medicine to make yourself feel better. So Mm -hmm. I wonder if that, if that secondary effect of, just knowing that you're in control and these things that you're doing, not just taking a pill, but going out for exercise or doing some sort of um, repetitive uh, movement that will help you build strength. I wonder if that feeling of empowerment has something to do with more of a long-term uh, benefit for patients. Yeah. You know, over the course of my practice, there's been a lot of, uh, buzz phrases that I've used and, and developed. I work in education, yeah. man. I know all They're about that. Yeah. Um, But I think the overall theme of my practice is that I'm here to help you, which doesn't mean that I do the work for you. Mm -hmm. And I will oftentimes tell my patient several visits in, you know, you're not seeing this from the right perspective. 50% of the work or so is me. I'm doing it to you. I'm working on something on you. But the other 50% is your ability to recover from this and your ability to be mindful of your position, whether it's just, okay, I notice I'm standing only on one leg half the time. That's the leg I carried my, my, the hip I carried my son on. Um, Mm -hmm. if so be mindful of that, change your position. Um, is it the way we go from sitting to standing or lying to sitting? Um, those are really simple changes we can make. Um, and one of my goals with my chronic pain patients is to have them really try and change their paradigm of 
um, or sorry, not their paradigm, but their mindset. Many people who have developed chronic pain, they develop what's referred to as a pain avoidance or fear avoidance belief. Sorry. Um, you know, I, I fear this movement's going to hurt, so I avoid it. And ultimately, that just leads them to continue to have a disability. And my goal with these people is, is to have them think, when I move this way, it doesn't hurt. And so they don't see themselves as being limited. They see themselves now as moving with intention. Uh, and that changes things for everybody. You know, how I load the dishwasher, how I pick up a laundry basket, how I pick up my son. And then I work with them to develop some type of exercise routine, which unfortunately I don't get to watch them do or coach them on, but mm -hmm. I give it to them. And if they cannot do it on their own, then I refer them to physical therapy. Um, but moving with intention and then training for those movements. Um, I, I always coach them that you know, the exercises you do in the gym nearly often, nearly always mimic your normal movements in real life. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I have my oldest son's 60 pounds and he still wants to be picked up every once in a while because he loves right. his dad. And so the way I think about it is, well, you're about to do a really heavy squat. Yeah. And so when I go to the gym, I'll grab a 50 or 60 pound kettlebell. I'll hold it to my chest and I'll do a squat. And then that exercise only further strengthens my ability to do it that safely with my son. Mm -hmm. um, and that's really the, the mindset and the shift that I want my patients to see is that, yes, I have back pain, but it doesn't mean that I'm a back pain patient. Yes, my MRI had multiple herniated discs on it, but I've got news for you. So does mine. And my yeah. back doesn't hurt at all right now because of the way that I move and because of the way I train myself. And it takes work and it takes consistency. And it's kind of a forever game. Yeah, right. It feels like you got to develop some lifelong habits exactly. in order to do that. So I was going to ask you about your back. That This whole journey kind of started with your back pain. How's that evolved over the years? I think that for many chiropractors, the experience of seeing a chiropractor because of back pain um, serves as an inspiration. Um, for me, it, it was that. Um, for me, it was having that experience with this doctor um, who looked at me and my habits um, and my history and helped me make changes. I mean, I remember my first visit with this guy. I, I had always been cracking my own back because it gave me minutes of relief, and it seemed like that's what chiropractors do. Mm -hmm. um, and I saw him. We had an evaluation. Um, he performed a treatment which didn't in, include an adjustment, but it felt significantly different than I had ever done on my own. And we went right from his treatment room right into his fitness area. And he videotaped me doing a, several exercises, which, again, 12 years later, I still have that little DVD he made. Uh, I actually still have his magnet on my fridge, and I'm still in touch with him. Um, and my back pain has ebbed and flowed, as everybody's does. I do spend my day mostly bent over people. Yeah, yeah. Um, but my training has very clearly reflected my current state which is um, I see a trainer uh, once a week when I'm healthy um, and she's fantastic. Again, I'm a chiropractor. I'm board certified in physiotherapeutics. I know how to train people. I know how to prescribe exercise therapy, but I can't treat myself. Mm -hmm. And I'm humble enough, I think, to say that. Um, and so I train so that I could move without pain. And by and large, I do. 
I have my, my own issues. I have two or three different chiropractors. I see, uh-huh. I have massage therapists. I see there's an acupuncturist. I see there's a trainer. I see I have a medical doctor. Um, I'm in network with a pain management doc. Um, you know, and all, all those things help me form a team, uh, of, reliable practitioners that I know will listen to me, mm-hmm. um, but will also give it to me straight when I'm not being honest with myself. Gotcha. Well, that's good to hear, Yeah, you know, that, that you've come a long way, but it it's also, I think for patients to, to know that their doctors are going through the same types of things that they are yeah. and they're, uh, they're modeling the right behaviors that they expect out of their patients. I think that goes a long way to probably developing some of those habits yeah. with sometimes I actually, I put up my MRI right next to my patient's MRI. Oh yeah. Cool. Oh yeah. I mean, if you look at my MRI, even the layperson w- would look at this MRI and say, Oh, that doesn't look good. <laughs> yeah. Um, there are certain parts of an MRI that show really high, bright signal intensities where there's a lot of fluid mm-hmm. and in our intervertebral discs, we want a lot of fluid. We want them to be plump and full. And if you look through mine, you'll get to this second lowest lumbar disc and it's dark. And oh, you man. would know right away that doesn't look good. Yeah. Um, in fact, I have two herniated discs, but then I put that up there and I bend over and I touch my toes and I do a lunge. I do a squat. They're like, Oh my God, I didn't know I could do that. Um, you can, you know, you are not your problem. <laughs> You know, your problem has a, a course uh, that it goes through um, and it'll get better, but you have to work at it. Um, but like I said before, it's it's a forever kind of thing um, and I'm forever going to work on it. Gotcha. Yeah. I'm going to take kind of a left turn here. Please. So I have a few friends who are chiropractors and I know a few chiropractors mm-hmm. and most of them that I know, their patients call them Dr. First name mm-hmm. versus doctor last name. Is that the same thing for you? So that's a very interesting thing. Um, it's a very interesting question. <laughs> uh, yes, a lot. Not of, a question yet. But. Not a question yet. Um, a lot of my patients do call me Dr. Josh. Many of them call me Dr. Rittenberg. Certainly Rittenberg's a much longer name. It's six extra letters uh, <laughs> and a couple extra syllables. Um, I honestly, I, I don't really care what people call me as long as it comes from a place of respect sure as opposed to you know being doubtful of my experience education and skills um but most medical doctors are referred to with their last name um so uh, i don't know I, i don't i don't know that i really care i'm wondering is that a conscious decision of chiropractors to to separate themselves from the medical world. I've always wondered that because yeah. it seems unique to chiropractors to have doctor first name. Yeah. And then, you know, without fail on the medical side, it's doctor last name. Sure. Uh, I, I actually, I think that it has a lot more to do with our personalities as okay. a whole. Um, and I also think it has much more to do with the intimacy of our practice. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, how many times a year have you seen your primary care physician? How many times have you seen him last year? Once. Once. Okay. <laughs> so there's not much of a, a relationship there. Right, right. right. Um, yeah, I'm in and out too. Yeah, it's a real you know, quick thing. The, the average low back strain or injury typically resolves in 8 to 12 visits. Mm-hmm. And so I have this person in my office. I get to know their family. I get to know their history. I have them lying on my table. My hands are on them. We're going over an exercise we're talking about some emotions that they may have regarding their fear or their anxiety. Um, 
and there's an intimacy I think that that develops, um, which leads I think someone to be more comfortable with referring to me as Doctor Josh, um, and I and I like that. Uh-huh. I, I appreciate the um, the trust that someone gives me, um, and. I think that that's probably one of the reasons why it leads people to be more comfortable to use our first names. Um, and there's some people who just call me Josh. It, it tends to be older patients uh-huh. um, that just do because, you know, I'm 34 and my patient may be twice as old and I might be younger than their son. Right, right, um, yeah. And so I think, you know, some of the older patients may just refer to you with your first name. Um, but no, I think it's an intimacy thing, and I think it's a, a trust thing, cool, as opposed to a lack of respect or just a informal um, doctor thing. Yeah, I had a chiropractor on before, and I forgot to ask him about it, so I needed to find out what is up with that because yeah. it always struck me that, um, you know, from someone who didn't, I, I've been going growing up in the medical world, mm-hmm. and it's been doctor last name my whole life, and then noticed this pattern and it was interesting. So yeah, my, my dad is an MD and he, um, right when I graduated, he actually mentioned something like that. He said, there's this chiropractor here whose name is Bob and he goes by Dr. Bob. And he said, don't do that. (laughs) I said, why? He said, because it's just not professional, but I don't know that I had any control over it. I think it just developed. I I often introduce myself as, hi, I'm Dr. Josh Rittenberg. Nice to meet you. Okay, great. And then people just call me Dr. Josh and it just seems easier. Cool. So it's all, it's, it's interesting the way these things develop. So thanks for explaining that. Um, so listen, we're just about out of time, but I, before we get off, I want to uh, give you the opportunity to let people know where they can find your practice, where online they can find more information. If there's anything that you have on social media or anything that you have, um, where people can find out some some tips, even if they're not going to come see you, um, just about your philosophy and, and things of that nature. Okay. All right, last minute plug. Yeah, yeah, okay. plug it. Um, so my, my practice is on the corner of East Ave and Park Ave. It's called East Ave New Chiropractic. Uh, it's myself and one other doctor, Dr. Ray Smith. Um, we have two massage therapists as well, Dustin Root and Teresa Hanti. Um, they both work part-time um, Dustin is actually going to be completing his first coursework and active release technique, um, which is considered the gold standard in soft tissue therapy. Um, and we've worked really hard to develop this side of our practice, which is the massage practice, uh, and really help the average patient view massage, not just as this luxury, which they'll Mm -hmm. oftentimes save for special occasions, but as a, a valid and, um, effective part of their therapy. Um, we do have a website. It's uh, www.eastavchiropractor.com. Um, we also have a pretty active Facebook page and Instagram page. We're oftentimes found at some of the bigger uh, races or marathons or 5Ks in the area uh, in the recovery zone, treating runners and educating them afterwards. Um, and where else have we found? That's it. You know, we have a pretty grassroots practice. Cool. You know, that was really my intention in 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 how we started was I want to lay uh, a very community based practice into the Rochester area, kind of right in the center of Rochester. Um, I sp- I spend a lot of time networking. You know, not for the sake of just shaking hands, but for really allowing people to understand what it is that we do and what is our approach and the fact that we really are integrated. I want people to know that I am going to be 
a physician, a doctor, a chiropractor who is going to evaluate you from a completely objective standpoint and then make the most appropriate decisions for your care. And whether that involves a manipulation of the spine, whether that involves a soft tissue therapy or a rehab exercise or referring you to somebody even after one visit, that's okay because that's my job. Um, and I love what I do. Cool. Well, thanks again for coming by today. We got our kids out in the back, so let's go play with them. And um, we will uh, ha- encourage people to visit eastavchiropractor.com. And uh, thanks again, Josh.